Welcome to the Tailoring Talk Show with me, your host, Roberto Rivilla. I'm a bespoke tailor, menswear designer, and owner of Roberto Rivilla London Suit and Shirtmakers. This is the podcast where you drop in for the threads, but often leave with something quite unexpected. I talk to self-starters and creators about their journeys, the highs and lows, and the lessons they've learned along the way. If you haven't already, please support the show by subscribing. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please help me out by leaving a rating and a review. Today's guest is an internationally recognized business and leadership development advisor, author, award-winning speaker and workshop facilitator, president of Helbig Enterprises. She helps her clients operate more constructively and profitably. In her book, Succeed Without Selling, she offers a straightforward, common sense and clear guide to the sales process, providing insights around mindset, process and practices. Through her podcast, Accelerate Your Business Growth, she brings valuable, actionable information to her listeners. Her book, Expert Insights, includes details of 10 of the most listened to episodes of her show. With expertise in small business, sales, social media, networking, and leadership, it is an absolute treat and privilege to have her on Tailoring Talk to level you all up. Tailoring Talkers, please welcome Diane Helbig to the Tailoring Talk Show. Diane, how are you? I am well, thank you. So thrilled to be here with you. That intro wasn't long enough. Ah, yes, it was. It was way long. So talented. I didn't even fit... I, I think I only got to about 50%, maybe. Oh, that's so funny. No, I think you pretty much <laughs> the gist of it. <laughs> um, so we have another tailoring talk first because you're my first guest from Cleveland, Ohio. Excellent. Glad to be. Um, in the grand old US of A. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, thank you very, very much for joining me. Um, so how are things in Ohio at the moment? Things are good here. Uh, we're having the air show this weekend, so because it's Labor Day weekend here in the states, so it's, weather's great. Everybody's doing well, thank goodness, yep. and yeah, it's good. Awesome. So hopefully, it should be a great weekend. Yeah. For you all out there, as uh, as my friends say, from that side of the pond. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so now, um. Dan, if I guess if I can start by taking you back a little bit, because um, you know we're we're probably going to get into talking about sales. I obviously want to talk about your book and and your podcast as well. Um, but you've been selling or you know running some sort of business or side hustle ever since you were a little girl. Is that right? Yeah. You <laughs> could say that. <laughs> I'm talking about your lemonade stand. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, so exactly. was 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 there an influence above you? Because, like for me, I've grown up in family businesses. Because when my grandfather came to the UK from India, he brought like a couple businesses over with him and started a couple more when he was here. Mm -hmm. So my parents, rather than sending me to nursery, they just took me to work with them. So I've been in a kind of uh, entrepreneurial business kind of environment since I can remember. Yeah. Was it similar for you or did influences come from somewhere else? Um, it wasn't similar for me. My father, well, potentially. My father was a manufacturer's rep, so he sort of worked for himself, mm. uh, but, you know, was representing 
furniture manufacturers. Uh, and he was a salesman. So uh, that had a huge influence on my whole viewpoint about selling. Um, but I didn't have anyone who, my grandfather owned a business, but I wasn't close to that. So I didn't necessarily see how that was going. And that really didn't have any sort of influence on me. Yeah. And how old were you when you when you started, I guess, what was your, can we call it a first business, your lemonade sure, stand? I guess not? we can, right? Because you were yes, providing a service right? and you were making money. Yeah. So I was in fourth grade. So eight, um, eight, nine. Yeah. You, thanks for translating that for me because I'm not sure what fourth grade is. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're having this conversation the other day, my wife and I, because she's from Spain originally, and we watch a lot of US TV, obviously. Yeah. Um, but particularly shows like Never Have I Ever, which generally centers around teens, right? Yeah. You know, and they're talking about 12th grade and, you know, going to college. College for us over here is pre-university, whereas college for you guys is actual university. Oh. So it all can get very confusing. Yeah. Boy, no kidding. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I guess that would be our high school, right? Y yes. Yeah. We call it college. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I used to have this all the time because I used to work for an American company and all my American friends and colleagues would be like, oh, so where, where did you go to college? And I'd be like, well, you know, I did two years at, and they're like, you only did two years at college? That's that's really, really crazy. <laughs> um, and then you kind of work out that, you know, obviously. As, uh, as someone said once, uh, two great nations separated by a common language. Yeah. <laughs> Or something to that. Effect. It is amazing. I know that that is amazing that even though, right, we're we're sort of the same, we communicate very differently. Extremely, yeah, exactly. I love yeah. it though. I, you know, I have to flip flop between different because I still have a lot of clients who are in the states, and you know, so I have to alternate between terms like pants and trousers quite a lot. And you know, they'll say to me, uh, you know, I want to get cuffs this time on this suit. And then they'll be like, I'm so sorry, you don't know what that means. And I'm like, no, I know, cuffs is turn-ups. I've got it, don't worry. Turn-ups? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Boy, I'm learning so much. <laughs> you know, English English is generally quite a literal language. Yeah. But we don't tend to have sort of terms that leave too much to the imagination. So I know, you... but I'm wondering how that changed. I've always wondered that, how that changed over here. Because yeah. you would think the same language, all the same words would just come here. Sort of translate to the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then I guess it's like uh, you take um, Spanish and Latin American Spanish, and there are differences uh -huh. between the two. You know, so yeah. I, I think it's the other way around. With Latin American Spanish, they tend to be a little bit more literal because they'll say things like alto for car, whereas in Spain it's coche. But alto kind of makes more sense because it's auto car. Uh-huh. Uh -huh, you know, right. My wife right. overhears me, she'll come running in and she'll hit me across <laughs> the back of the head. Anyway, that's enough about linguistics. We understand each other. This <laughs> yes, we do. That's, <laughs> that's right. the main thing. So um, you know, we've been through a pandemic, which I'm kind of getting sick of talking about, actually. Um, but it's happened, so we can't avoid it. And that's kind of changed the landscape in so many different ways. Um, so many aspects of our lives have changed. Selling is something that, for me, is part of the 
fiber of our existence because we do it all the time whether we're salespeople or not in the traditional right. sense right we're all selling all the time that's right um how have you seen that that's kind of landscape of sales in the traditional sense change over the last few years and how's how has it impacted the work that you're now doing with your customers so one of the things that has really changed is that people are so much more comfortable with virtual selling so before they just could not wrap their heads around it because you know we didn't really have to but that was also very limiting so one of the things, one of the silver linings that came out of the pandemic, in my opinion, is that people could expand their client base and their reach because they realized they could be having these sorts of conversations. So it was still personal. It was still human to human, but they didn't have to be in the same geography. So that's been very interesting. And then like with the work that I do with my clients, it's really a matter of, okay, how do you navigate that? What does that really look like? Because I don't want them going into sales mode just because it's virtual, right? Mm. The, all the same rules apply. The method is a little different, but the rules are the same, in my opinion. You know, when I have conversations with my clients, um, you know, some of them, it depends on what they do as well, because some of them have been able to transition to virtual very, very easily. So when you look at so again, I'm going to use interchangeable terms here, but lawyers, stroke, attorneys, uh -huh. for example, accountants, um, you know, they've all been able to work consistently virtually without any problems, really. Right. Um, but then you get other people in other industries like hospitality, like realtors or estate agents, as we call mm -hmm. them here, who are selling a physical product that people really do want to go and touch and see and feel. Right. Uh, take even me as an example. Um, and they found that switch to virtual a lot harder. And 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 then their kind of view is that, you know, virtual isn't the same because you cannot build the same relationships that you would build if you were actually in the room with someone face to face. Because you don't get a lot of the visual cues that you you get when you're in person with someone that you might get when you're online. How do you how do you react when you hear arguments like that? I I don't necessarily agree with them. I think as long as you can do video and we should all be doing video, I can tell you from personal experience, I have built some of the best relationships, best business relationships over the past two and a half years that I have had in my entire career. And it's because we had a common bond, but it was all virtual, right? I mean, I'm a solopreneur. I work out of my house. So when COVID hit, I was totally isolated. Mm. But I was connecting with people all over the world, all over the US on a weekly basis and building some just phenomenal, strong relationships, getting business, giving referrals to people, connecting people to each other. I think we have to be really careful that we don't let our mindset get in the way of how we engage, right? Because we build that up in our head. That's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I, it's funny enough, actually, you know, just this morning, a prime example, I had someone follow me on Instagram who is from Denmark. And so he, um, he, you know, I'm, I'm known for doing a lot of flamboyant linings on the inside of my jackets and things. 
And so he wants that, but in reverse, he wants flamboyant kind of in your face uh, in terms of the fabrics, patterns, that sort of stuff. So he was like, could we do this virtually? And I was like, well, I, I mean, I've got no choice, right? I mean, right. you want you want me to serve you. And actually, I kind of like the guy. I was like, I, and I'd love to try and help you. So let's see if we can do this. And he was willing. I think that's uh-huh. also... Right. half the fight right you've both right. got to be kind of willing to um to kind of yes. do the, do the thing and um you know he's all booked in for a virtual measuring session uh I mean he's now actually thinking about taking a flight and just hopping over to London for a day for me to measure uh, him up but it's definitely you I I agree with you it's definitely made the world smaller mm-hmm. um but you have to be willing to kind of put any kind of previous um judgments or preconceptions misconceptions we could even call them aside and actually just kind of been open to embracing change because at the end of the day either you get on board and you innovate and you change or you risk dying right exactly and imagine you can be i mean what a differentiator if because so many people are in such crowded fields if they can master the virtual world, it it gives them a leg up because they are able to do something that a lot of their competition can't do. It's great. Yeah. Right? So to give a, a, a live example, so our listeners are clear on what you do, can you mm-hmm. talk about your kind of business as a solo as solopreneur and then, you know, how you had to to use the most popular cliche term at the moment, pivot when the pandemic hit and kind of sure. turn things around and sort of give some flavor of how you're running things today? Sure. I would love to. Thank you for that opportunity. So before March of 2020, uh, I was working with clients all over the place. So some virtually, some in person, where I advise them on whatever's going on in their business that they're struggling with. So it can be sales, it can be systems, employees, doesn't really matter. I was also doing a lot of training and I had for 2020 contracts for the entire year of trainings, speaking engagements, all of those sorts of things that I was going to be doing in person all over the US. And the second week of March or you know at some point during the month of March, those all vanished. And my local clients, uh, if they didn't want to meet virtually, well, they were all sort of in a state of, you know, what the heck is going on here? So a lot of that stopped as well. So there I was thinking, wow, I have no business. That's so interesting. (laughs) I've been building this thing for, you know, uh, 16 years and bang, zoom, gone. So Diane, were you, were you by February of um, 2020, were you looking at your numbers and looking at the year of bookings ahead thinking this is going to be our best year ever? Yep. You know how many times I've heard that, not just from solopreneurs, but from everyone, from solopreneurs to multinationals, everybody, so many people saying the same thing. It was almost like we were all brought, this is a big conspiracy and we were all brought (laughs) down like multiple, never mind a peg or two, right? Anyway, right. I'm sorry, oh, Carrie, because we were the same. Right. Yeah. We were looking at numbers. We we're like, this is going to be our best year in yeah. 10 years of doing, you know, me doing this on my own and 20 years of me being in this business. And right. then all of a sudden it was like gone. It was it's seriously remarkable. And and did you think to yourself, because I know for me, I was like, wait a minute. I just spent 
all these years building this thing, you get yourself to a place where you have a good reputation. People know you, right? You're, you're being sought after. And all of a sudden, none of it. It's not that they don't want to, they can't, right? It's just a whole, yeah, it, it was, yeah, not great. So, I liken it to completing the Rubik's Cube finally <laughs> and having that sense of accomplishment. And then all of a sudden, someone comes along and takes it from you and just smashes it against the wall. Right. <laughs> and you can't put the pieces back together. Yeah, so exactly. you have to pivot, start over, whatever. Yep. So I thought to myself, self, what are you going to do about this? You can crawl under the bed, you know, and, and cry. Or then I realized, and I think because I was hearing it from people, that people didn't really know how to navigate, especially like from a sales standpoint. I would hear people say, I don't feel comfortable reaching out to people. You know, it's just this whole. So I thought, okay, hang on a second. I had these women who I was supposed to be doing a sales symposium with later in the year, and that got canceled. So I reached out to them and I said, Why, what do you think about us putting something together around how do you navigate this thing? Yeah. How do you, you know, and we can offer it to associations whose client base is small businesses because they don't know what to do about their programming either because their programming used to be in person and now all of a sudden it isn't. So we put this the whole thing together and I reached out to a bunch of associations I know and we got business out of it and we and we didn't charge a lot and if they couldn't afford it we didn't charge them anything but it was an opportunity just to keep the engine going and get back into the groove. And so I I took a course on how to teach virtually, how to become a, a virtual educator. And excuse me, and thank goodness, because then that's what companies decided they wanted to do. They knew they couldn't totally stop. So they had to do something. So once I learned it, then I could do totally virtual. I, it's not my favorite thing to do because mm. it's harder um, to, because of the engagement and the connection. I mean, that is one of the yeah. places where you really want to be in the room. But if you don't have a choice, you do it. So I ended up not even having that bad of a year in 2020. It wasn't fabulous, but it could have been a lot worse. 2021 was actually worse than 2020. Oh, wow. Why? Because people still didn't know what to do. Right. They weren't sure if all of a sudden we were going to be shutting down again. You know, there was so much unknown. The vaccine was coming on board. No one was really, they were so hesitant to do anything that they weren't even committing to the virtual. Yeah. So it, it was a really strange challenge. That that year was more challenging for me, for my business. Yeah. 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 It's really funny how uncertainty and um, I can't remember what the other thing was. I do this a lot because my brain is pinging around all the time. It's like, as I described to one of my recent guests, it's like Disney in my head. <laughs> the whole thing. Disney, Pixar, you name it, it's all going on. <laughs> They're um, all in there. <laughs> but but it's funny what you say about uncertainty, right? Because like we basically, um, I was saying to a lot of customers, especially my customers in real estate, that it would take time to figure out what this thing meant for all of us. Because the uncertainty was over the length of time we were going to be put under restrictions, right? Yeah. Um, 
I think the other thing as well is when the media doesn't really have that much else to grab onto, mm-hmm. it really, you know, like yeah. at the moment, you know, it's if it if it wasn't COVID, COVID went, then it's the Ukraine war and, and all the scare stories out of that. We were all looking at the skies wondering if we were going to be, you know, seeing missiles flying. Right. Over. Um, and then that's kind of died down because now we have a, a global energy crisis, right? <laughs> Which is now going to bring, you know, the next great yeah. depression, if you believe what a lot of media outlets are saying. But then on the ground, you're kind of thinking as you talk to your customers every day, actually, it's not that bad. But the uncertainty thing, sorry, this is what I was trying to go back to. I, th- I think yeah. for me, because we, you know, 2020 happened, business collapsed, we got shut down. We then realized, actually, do you know, we're in the business of solving people's clothing problems. I don't see anybody walking around naked. So they're not wearing suits. What are they doing? We pivoted. Right. I'm trying to run through this quickly because oh. my listeners have heard it 200 times. Um, so 2020 was about surviving. Mm-hmm. And then I had some inside track knowledge on the vaccine rollout. Ah. So I guess that's where someone like me had the advantage because I had inside know-how of what was happening. I knew when the facilities were being built. Wow. I knew what the target dates were to get vaccine into production. I knew what was going on with the trials because I deal with people in all different oh, areas. Right. Right. So I have patent yes. attorneys that deal with biochem. I have um, you know, people at IBM and places like that that deal with big kind of projects. And all these people, their talents were drawn on by the government and they were all kind of brought together to build facilities to make vaccines to then distribute, et cetera, et cetera. So, so, you know, I was able to kind of, um, you know, when I was talking to customers who were like, I'm not doing anything because I don't know what's happening. I don't know how long this is going to be. I was able to say, listen, I can't give you the full details, but I can tell you with confidence that things are happening. And that we should start to see the first vaccine vaccinations going into people's arms in December 20, I think 20. it was 20, I think 2020, so. wasn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. it was really, really uh-huh. quick. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so and, and that kind of calmed people down. <laughs> I'll bet. You know, it's funny how that, how that happens, right? Yeah. So, um, so, so we were able to kind of just push on from there and then get out of this thing and be in a position where you know suddenly we are having our best year which is great right. kind of back to where we were at the start of 2020 yeah yeah it's fabulous um but it's so great to hear that you've been able to then i guess get over the setback of 2021 come into 2022 mm-hmm. stronger mm-hmm. and also get over the whole thing of having to do most of what you do virtually but then I'm guessing because you're coaching so it doesn't really matter whether people are in the United States or in the UK in Europe on the other side of the planet down in Australia yep you can reach them all absolutely and I was always doing that so I was used to a virtual environment but I wasn't used to training on a virtual environment so that was challenging I'm still doing it this is what's great I'm doing things in person I'm doing things virtually. You know, this is really one of the benefits that, in my opinion, came out of it is that we have so many more options that if a company can't afford to, you know, bring in a trainer physically, okay, we can figure it out virtually, right? So I can still do the work. Just sometimes I'm here, (laughs) sometimes (laughs) I'm there. I can tell you probably 
would pref- you probably prefer in person whenever you can right because you're so personable i do oh thanks yeah especially with the training it's it, yeah. it is vastly different yeah yeah yeah, yeah. totally yeah. I prefer seeing people in person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done a lot virtually now, like measurings and fittings and things like that. You That's can send amazing. the clothes out to people and get them back. And so one, I'll always find a way to do it. But I yeah. prefer to have my hands on them physically. Right. And see what's going on. And see how they're reacting as well. Um yeah. so yeah, I did a lot of um a lot of the big business owners that I deal with have really, really struggled with virtual. I think it depends on the age group as well, because the right. I don't. Are you finding yeah. this? The, sure. the youngsters are kind of like sure. all about being online because yeah. they've probably all grown up with a mobile phone in their hand, not used That's to actually right. speaking to people face to face. Whereas us oldies, yeah, we're used to <laughs> playing right. in the park and doing other things, right? Yeah. <laughs> so but you know, one of the challenges contact. is that I'm finding is, and so this is one of the things I'm training on is this younger generation that's going to end up being the biggest in the workforce mm. fairly soon, they're so comfortable with uh, technology and they're not so comfortable with conversation that they're missing opportunities like with customer service and those sorts of things. Because sometimes you just have to pick up a phone. You you can't be doing this. There's, there's too many, you know, landmines with that. So yeah, presents an opportunity for me, but a lot of companies I'm getting feedback from are struggling with that because their go-to is texting or email, and it's just not relationship building. Yeah, but it's how they grow up. Yeah, no, exactly. I've suddenly had to because I'm working with people of all different ages, so I've suddenly had to become proficient not just at iMessage and WhatsApp. Uh-huh. That's fine. I can deal <laughs> with that. But you know, Instagram, for example, uh-huh. I mean that people message me on Instagram all the time, like it's a text messaging service. <laughs> you know, and then sometimes they'll email you and they'll be really snooty with you and they'll be like, You I I messaged you like five days ago and you haven't messaged me back. And I'm like, Well, where? Because I haven't seen you on here here. Well, I messaged you on Instagram. Or I, I know, you but do mess- you see that? Yeah, I know. See, I never see my Instagram messages either. It's dangerous. Yeah. Especially because I would think with what you do, that Instagram would be a great place for you to be engaging with people, right? Because it's so visual. It is. That's it. So I'm I'm kind of, social media was something that I always struggled with up until recently. And I I think, um, and you probably find this with with your clients, and I'm sure you've had to really kind of get, you know, roll your your sleeves up and (laughs) kind of get next to them on the whole social media question. Because the big question is... How does a business work out what the hell to do when it comes to social media? Because Uh, most people take a, well, I need to be on all of them approach, which isn't always the best thing. No, it's not. I I think it's the wrong concept. And and they're told to do that, you know, but you have to be where your audience is and where your audience is going to hear your message, in my opinion. So you have to think about, okay. What is the demographic of my audience? If they're older, they're not on any of that stuff, right? I mean, we went through this weird period where the kids were on Facebook and then they got off Facebook because the moms got on and they were like, okay, that's it. Now I'm going someplace else. <laughs> it's like done. Okay. So you have to know who's your audience and where do they absorb information and where are they absorbing your kind of information? Like I'm on Facebook because I have to understand it as you know, for my business. Yeah. But 
you know, to, in order to be able to help my clients, but that's not where my clients are hearing my message or my prospects are hearing my message. They're hearing it on LinkedIn because it's the business platform. So they're not even hearing it on Twitter. So you, you have to know where are they hearing it and, and get away from this idea of, okay, well, everybody's there on Facebook. Okay, maybe, but they're there as moms and dads and grandparents and cousins and friends. And that's their mindset. Yeah. yeah. Right. They're so not, for some people, it's the perfect place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not necessarily thinking about, you know, uh, employee coaching or, right. you know, where they're going to get their workwear and all that kind of stuff on yep. Facebook. But when they're on a different platform, you know, like LinkedIn is the ideal one because that is where they are thinking about exactly. kind of coaching and all of that kind of stuff. Right. So, um, so something you touched on there, which was knowing your customers or knowing where they hang out. But then, mm-hmm. if we take that a step back, we need to know our customers, right? Yeah. <laughs> how how do you start that process? Because you get so much different advice from people. You know, and some people will say, well, you know, kind of close your eyes for a second with a blank sheet of paper and imagine what your ideal customer looks like. But not all businesses are at the stage where they can pick and choose who their ideal audience is. They, they're they at that stage where they're just trying to get things off the ground and survive to be able, you know, if you take take sure. the nature example, because it just sprang into my Disney brain where you've got a Bambi or a fledgling chick right which before it does anything it needs to learn to fly and it needs to learn how to hunt right and it's pretty much just going to flap its wings and hope it catches some air or and it's pretty much going to hunt anything that it can get its beak on yep until eventually it becomes proficient enough to then be selective about what it wants to eat or where it wants to fly to right are you are you with me so far i'm with you oddly enough <laughs> Oh God! Just just wait till I start um, releasing these things on YouTube. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't but, but so so right. So like now I'm in the position after after you know twelve to twenty years um, of of really being able to kind of uh, decide who I want to serve. Yeah, I don't need to serve everybody. But when you go back to the beginning, I anybody who wanted to get clothes made, I didn't care who they were or how much they had to spend or didn't have to spend, I would just right. go serve him and worry about it later. And then, so, yeah. Sorry, going back to my no, original no, question, it's, it's how, uh, is there a system that you use for helping people to kind of, you know, work out where they should mm-hmm. be targeting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bearing in mind that age of business also can influence that as well. It can. Um, I guess my viewpoint is there's, prospecting, which is an activity, you know, and then there's what comes to you and what can come to you like through marketing, right? So whatever you're doing with social Mm. media, then that can bring people to you. I feel really strongly that we should always be prospecting toward what we want, but we can talk to anyone who reaches out. Okay. I caution people, no matter what stage of business they're in, and I totally get the I need revenue you know, mindset, but I do caution people to be really careful with that because if you take on anybody and they are terrible customers, you are going to get in your own way of being able to get the good ones. 
and they're going to drag you down and make you miserable and you're not going to make a profit. So, so this is this weird thing we have in our head. I need revenue. Yeah, you do. But what you really need is profit. And the most profitable customers are the ones who check all the boxes. There's all these things about them that fits that ideal client, you know, avatar, whatever you want to call it. Um, but so what I say to people is if you are brand new, you believe you have a target market, go look at them and you can do some market research, reach out, ask questions to people, you know, what would you want in this situation? What So you can get a feel for where people are. Once you've been in for a couple of years, I like to do the 2020, 20 up, 20 down. Mm -hmm. So 20 up is think about your top 20% of customers ever, the ones you adore. There's something about them and there's something consistent about them. There's probably a couple of things about them that put them in that category. And then do the same thing with the bottom 20%, the ones you hate or you hated and you couldn't stand them and you didn't want to answer the phone when they called and you just we're trying to figure out how to get them to leave you alone. There's something about those people, those customers that is similar. When we can identify those things, it helps us then when we're prospecting or when people reach out to us to navigate. And I'm a firm believer that we need to be asking a ton of questions before we ever determine whether it's a good fit. So, but, but those being able to do that identification gives you the opportunity to figure out what questions you need to ask and how you need to ask them so that you can learn some of those character traits of people to see, is this person going to be awful to work with? And if they are, as hard as it is to walk away from money, walk away because it's not going to help your business. I know it feels like it is, but it's not in the long run. It's not, it's going to keep you from growing. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you're long in the game, mm-hmm. like we are, um, mm-hmm. then it's your instincts that you can rely on. Yeah, because you know, I mean, right? D- can't you? Don't you think you can sort of tell the minute you start talking to somebody whether? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, even today, I still I'm not perfect, right? It's like I know, sure. like my instincts, are, my spider sense is going off, and I'm just like, uh-huh. please do not work with this person. And then you start, <laughs> and then you realize. And he's like, I should have just listened to myself in the first place. And you're like, okay, right? I'm just going to serve him this one time and it's done. And then, you know, that's it. You know, I'll, I'll recommend someone else for them to work yeah. with instead. Right. So I always try and do that. I try not to sure. just cut people off. I always try yeah. and, you know, still stay friends. But, you know, this isn't, yeah. we're, we're not actually a great fit. Right. I'm not I'm the best resource for you. Right. Exactly. This is like my favorite. It's It's me, not you. I'm not the best resource for you. Let's get you with you know, the person who's going to be able to serve you best. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's hard. I think, you know, for, for a generation that's kind of grown up in that kind of, uh, you know, influenced by Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I mean, I went to American sales school because I went, worked for an American company Ah. originally. So, um, but then I've done a lot of reading on both sides of the pond and, but, but the theory was always the same through the nineties and the mm-hmm. early two thousands. It mm-hmm. was that whole always be closing kind of thing. Yes. Brass balls, coffee yeah. for closers, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's, it's, it's, it's obviously so different nowadays. I, I think if you try to sell in 
in that way, some of the principles still hold true. Sure. But sure. I think generally, if you took that yes. approach, right, it would be very, very difficult. Yes. And yet there are still people trying to do it that way. It's very interesting. And not getting the results they want and not figuring out maybe I'm they're, they're blaming the prospect instead of saying, maybe I'm doing something that's really not quite connecting with people. Yeah. yeah. So I say, and in my book, I have a whole chapter about always be uh, closing has changed, right? In my opinion, it's always be curious. Because when you're always in that closing mindset, that means you're always in sales mindset. And everyone you see, you're, you know, it's like fishing for dinner, right? Is this one dinner? Is this one dinner? And you're missing out on really incredible relationships. You could be building with people who will be good referral sources, who will be good um, colleagues and associates and and who know, resources that you can offer to other people. And you miss all of those connections because you're so busy looking for your next meal. Yeah. And it's so off-putting. Yeah. It's tiring as well. Yeah. I mean, not just yeah. for the people that you're targeting, but for, <laughs> you, for you know, for the salesperson yeah. as well, it's tiring. Yeah. Because it's not natural. No. That's the other thing. And so many small business owners really struggle with this idea of having to be salespeople. But if you think about it, it it's that's a, they don't want to do it because it's unnatural, because it doesn't feel good because it has all that stuff attached to it. So what I always say is every time someone says to me, I hate sales, it's like, great, right on, stop. Just, you know, let's not just go meet people and get to know them and learn about them, you know? So, and even if we go back to the brand new business, same thing, figure out what your target market is and then do your research on every single entity within that target market. Because the more you know about them, You'll start sifting through, but then the ones who you feel like, okay, these are ones that I potentially, you know, could have a relationship with. When you're doing your research, now you have something to talk to them about that's about them. So you have that starter conversation, that connection. And just remember, you're not trying to sell them anything. You want a conversation. That's it. So then you can see how that conversation goes. I think when we do that, then, you know, we're our natural selves. We're not feeling all that pressure of I have to be perfect and eloquent and all those other things. And they trust that. So Yeah. Try. People don't people don't like being led to water. They prefer to go take a drink when they want to, right? It's so Generally. True. It's our natural instinct. That's right. right. But but then if if I want to go take a drink of water, but I know that I can go get a glass of sales coaching from Diane and I can go to Pritt, who's one of my previous guests, social media marketing, and I can go get that glass of water from there. And then mm-hmm. if I want to see, I can go to myself, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a nicer way just for us uh, to be living our lives, right? Right. Which is something right. I found recently, because I, I want to ask you about networking and and how you've approached that bearing in mind that so much of your business has had to go virtual Mm -hmm. in the real world thankfully now we've got most of the real world back over here um but networking was something that i never did so i was the old traditional if i'm going to prospect i'll go get a directory work out who all the guys are at x firm and then i'm just going to call them all up Wow. And and that's how i built my business for years and years and then gradually referrals came into it and so on but yeah. I never really did networking stuff just because I really I always got nervous, Diane, about meeting uh-huh. people. Right. I'm naturally, I, I, I'm not 
I keep saying I'm introverted. I don't think I am anymore because since podcasting, <laughs> it's really got me out of my shell. It's quite yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. And now I now I love going to these things and I love meeting yeah. new people. But yeah, I just that's you know, I made a New Year's resolution this year. I said to myself back in December, I was like, if anyone asks me to go to these networking things, I'm gonna say yes. And some of them were duffers and some of them were amazing. Right. And so I just kind of worked that out and I said, right, I'm not going to go to any of those types of events anymore, but I'm going to go to those. Exactly. The one thing I do hate doing is when I go to an event is actually talking about what I do because I have yes. to do it every single day. Don't do it. No. So, so if you so, and I, you and I yeah. met, I'd be more focused on you. Like, right. What do you do? What do you right. like to do? Never mind yeah. what you do outside of. And then suddenly you're in a conversation with someone, you're getting to know each other on a personal level. Exactly. It, totally. So, yeah, so my thing is, I, I have a feeling that, that you probably weren't an introvert. I have a feeling you didn't like to go to those things because you felt like you had to put on a suit that didn't fit and you had to behave in a way that was oh, sorry. uncomfortable. You, you're using an analogy there. I know that's your business. I know. So. <laughs> I'm thinking all my suits fit me. I know all my suits fit me. <laughs> Taylor, for goodness I am. Sake. What is wrong I with know, you? Right? Do you know whose podcast you're on? <laughs> I used to. No, you're right. Right? You're right. Yeah. You are right. This is why people don't like it. But once you figured out, okay, I'm just going to go and just check it out, your whole mindset was different. Your, you know, the way you were approaching it was totally different. So, what I always say to people is uh, the more you're talking, the less people are listening. So, don't talk about your business and don't ask them about theirs. Like, my favorite thing is so tell me your story. Because then people will tell you about them. They might tell you about their work. They're going to tell you about whatever's top of mind, whatever's really important to them. And great, because now you know what matters to them and what you can talk to them about. And sometimes there's real connection that you never would have known about that is ends up being the foundation of building a really good business relationship. Yeah. And it might lead to business. Who knows? But it's going to enrich your business one way or another. And I think that's how we have to look at it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and then don't go to the ones that are duffers, as you say. We, we don't say that. What, what would you say? I do, awful. I don't know. Awful. <laughs> <laughs> duffers probably, probably wasn't even the right words. It was probably had half my listener base just cringe when I said that. But you know, oh, whatever. that's okay. I'm used to embarrassing that's myself. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, you're right. But that the, the question is so powerful. So, like my favorite question when I when I meet people in person for the first time is, I say to them, "What do you like to do?" Uh huh. It's great. Right. It's great. Yes. Because it because yes. then the way they answer that will tell me what their passions are. That's right. Because some people will say, "Well, you know," and, and they'll talk about what they do in business. But then some people will say, "Well, you know, I have two kids, and you know, one's twelve and one's six, and they like to do this, so I like to spend my time doing that." Yeah. And then you know, or I like to play golf. I like to whatever. But you just find so much out about you find so much out about someone's priorities. Yes. When you ask that question. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we have to remember that people do business with people buy from the person first, the product or service second, the company third, right? So people do business with people. So we have to be people in order to build those relationships, build that trust, 
identify who we want to be engaging with. You know, life is way too short to be engaging with people who don't, you know, bring you joy, who 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 you do not enjoy that experience. So when you're when you approach an event with, I'm just going to check it out, I'm just going to see who's here, just learn something about one or two people, you're so present that you pick up on those cues you were talking about before, yeah. right? You pick up on people's cues really quickly and you can feel that, you know, I feel a resonance with this person or I, I feel no resonance with this person. Right. It's like dating. Yeah. We talk about right? energy a lot, you know, and you, you, you feel... Yes good energy with someone whether it's you and I on the other end of a call you know recording a podcast episode or whether it's someone that you meet in person at a networking event or it's someone that you meet for the first time who's coming in because you know they replied to your website and Mm -hmm. you know they're potentially going to be a customer yeah I'm I'm getting as I get older I, I, I think it maybe it's an age thing I don't know but I'm just so much more sensitive to energy than I've ever been at any other time in my life yeah. You know, if I'm not kind of quite feeling it with someone, then I'm uh-huh. sort of, you know, yeah. politely right. saying, you know, this isn't going to work out, whatever exactly. it is. Exactly. Right. It's, because you can't change that. I, I think we just have to own and accept. There's people you're not going to work with. There's people you're not going to buy from. There's people who aren't going to buy from you. That's life. It, it's just, this is the way yeah. it is. And so... We and I think COVID did teach a lot of us about priorities and about who we really want to be spending time with because there was so much loss that that I do think that is also one of the silver linings from that. The people are reevaluating and saying, you know, hang on a second, this doesn't work for me. I will say something about the younger generations that I think they have they were raised with this. And I think they have absolutely no patience or energy for people who don't, who they don't feel a connection to. And and they're unapologetic about it. You know, it's an interesting thing to watch because they motor. I have a 23-year-old and a 26-year-old. And so watching how they engage and motor and, you know, yeah, they're sort of oddly intolerant of crap, you know, (laughs) just... No, not doing it. Thanks anyway, right? Which is interesting because I'm of a generation where we were sort of taught to uh, give people the benefit of the doubt, give them a second chance and all that. And most of the times those did not work out that well. So Yeah, well, you had that, you know, you had that friend that, you know, maybe your parents did or you even you did, but you had that friend that was kind of always around that your parents would just tolerate and you were just kind of like, yeah. you know, why, like, we, I don't understand why you're friends with that person in the first right. place. Right. Right. You don't like them. You know, it's like, yeah. it's an <laughs> obligation. It's some weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just yeah. not that way anymore with, with these, thank goodness, you know, they're intolerant of a lot of things that we should be intolerant of. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm highly sensitive to that, which is why I'm, you know, you know, trying my best to keep up with them as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> keep up with my daily moisturizing mu- regime so i don't look as old as i am <laughs> <laughs> 
But you know that all, everything that we've talked about in the last forty minutes or so, yeah. you know, what we're coming down to the point is recognizing the fact that we're all human, mm-hmm. and it's making selling more a human process. Yeah, right. Rather than this highly kind of yes. systemized. Remember back in the old days, your sales mm-hmm. manager, or your line boss would sit down with you after the sunning day and say, "I've been listening to your calls." And you, you know, you did this wrong and you did your yeah. introduction, your pitch was wrong, you missed a word here, or you yeah. know, this was the time, that was the moment to close them. Why didn't you close? Just like, you know, because I wasn't feeling that they wanted right. to do anything today. It wasn't quite right. That's exactly. why I didn't close, you know. Yeah. And I just sensed it would be better to, you know, just move this to a, a different time. It's the time yeah. is not right for them. Right. You know, trying to force someone to do something oh. against their will. It's, you know, you want everybody going with the flow. Right. All this resistance all the time. Yeah. Stressful yeah. for everybody involved. And it and it doesn't lead to repeat business, right? Because they they might call and cancel or they might go ahead with it, but you'll never get them back on the phone. <laughs> you'll never get another meeting with them because they will figure out how to keep you at, at a distance. Mm-hmm. So what did you gain? It's like a short-term gain when you're in a long-term environment. So, yeah. yeah. So, which brings me neatly onto your book, Diane. Ah, yes. <laughs> Succeed without selling. Yeah. Hold on. The more you think about selling, the less you will sell. Yes. Um. When did you write that? And where? And by the way, I have. I promise you, because I haven't read it. Spoiler alert. But. <laughs> Yes. It's just downloaded to my Kindle. Oh, sweet. I can't wait to hear what you think. I can't wait to get into it. Excellent. But having looked at some of the excerpts from it, because uh-huh. you read a lot of sales books, and um, a lot of them I like to read via Blinkist. I don't know if you've heard of Blinkist. It's an uh-huh. app where they um, they take books, and not just sales books, books of great literature or whatever, but but most books, you kind of read them but you probably could have done with reading 80% less of them, right? Uh-huh, sure. You have to boil all of that crap out to right. get down to the substance. Yes. But the thing that, other than the fact I was interviewing you, <laughs> the thing that made me think when I looked at the reviews as well, and I was like, oh, and I looked at the synopsis, and I was like, oh, this looks like something that I can really get my teeth into because I like to be a student of the author. And it looks like everything in there is really actionable. Was yes. that, I'm, I'm guessing that was very, very deliberate on your part because so many sales books I've got in my library behind me, mm-hmm. you know, I've got different post-it notes on maybe two or three pages <laughs> because that's all that's relevant. The yes. rest of it is just all yes. for vanity, basically. Yeah, yeah. So my, so first of all, I'm a re- very succinct thinker. So it's hard for me to, embellish a lot because I just want to get to the point and teach you what you need to know and and move on. And I wrote it intentionally. I was so um, frustrated by watching people continue to engage in behaviors that weren't serving them because they were either afraid of the process or they'd been taught something that doesn't work, you know, whatever. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to take everything I know, I'm going to put it in this book and I'm going to give people the why some things don't work and why other things do work, but also 
some um, guidance with try this, try that. Mm. I don't believe that ever that that I could give a, just a blueprint and say go do this and you'll be successful. I, I don't believe in that. I think we have to figure out what we're comfortable with. But there are principles that we need to follow, right? So I figured this is my passion project and putting everything in here. So there's a chapter for sales managers to stop behaving the way you were just describing. There's a chapter for direct sellers, you know, the Mary Kay and the, you know, whoever to help them realize, okay, you know, sales, it's not your friends and family. They are not a target market. Stop, you know, don't go after them. So because there's B2B, there's B2C, the behaviors are different, the the things you can do are different. But I just thought, you know what, if I can put it all in this book with forms that you can download from my website, you know, and just, you know, even if you just, if there's one part of it that you struggle with, like networking, and you just go to that chapter and you read it, and then you try some of the ideas in there, great, you know, just if it helps people get more comfortable with selling, I'm all about it. Or or not selling, but, you know. It's it's almost like the sales recipe book, right? Because you buy recipe books, maybe because you like the chef or because it's a type of cuisine or a country's cuisine that you kind of want to Mm -hmm. cook more of. Um, But then not all of the recipes in there are going to be relevant Mm -hmm. to you because there may be certain ingredients that you either can't get hold of or you just don't like. Yes, right. Do you kind of just go for so for me it's you know i'm going to be straight into you know the networking section of that book (laughs) b2c because b2c is what i do b2b is not relevant for me anymore right would have been in a past life uh past lives um and so on which you know and i i think that's such a refreshing way to approach a sales book because also you're saying i know that i'm not going to be something for all of you right but i hope to have something Yes. Yeah. I hope there's something in here that you can have an aha and you can say, oh, that's the thing. And and I love the recipe um, book analogy because some recipes you already have down. You already know, you already have your favorite. You don't need someone else's, right? You've got that. You know how to do that. And then there's ones that you want to try that you've never done before. So great. Here's some ideas. Check them out. See if they work for you. So yeah, that that's a really good. I love that. You yeah. have to steal that. You can no, it's all yours. <laughs> Thank you. You'll get a recording of this whole thing. You can use it however you want. Excellent. But yeah. If you need any more, just just let me know. I will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm so I honestly I can't wait to um I can't wait to start reading. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no, thank you. And I will definitely give you give you feedback. Thank you. Well. I would appreciate that. And make sure that I have the links to um, where people can get their hands on it. Thank you very, for that very as important. well. Yeah. So, um, so how um, how do you see the next kind of year or two shaping up for you? Oh, I think I'm going to be. I think people have been so hungry for training that it it is right back to where it was uh, before March of 2020. It's so interesting. I mean, it's just really exploding. Um, And then I've got some programs that I'm creating for 
uh, solopreneurs and micro businesses who I've noticed are challenged by a couple of things that I want to, you know, focus in on and and create a resource for them. So doing a lot of creation. mm. Yeah. Awesome. Exciting. Yeah. uh, I'm so grateful that we found each other. I am too. And you came on the show today. I wish I had more time with you. And we may have to do this again, maybe after I've actually read the book. <gasps> that would be great. I would love that. Can we do that? Yes. Awesome. And then I can hear straight from you what you thought and what made sense to you and what didn't make sense. And yeah, yeah. exactly. But, you know, I'll say it again, if I didn't already, that what I'm so excited about is, see, I I have a blank notepad ready for your book. Oh, my gosh. To, to so work great. through alongside it. Because that's what it strikes me as being is that there's actionable things in there that people like me can take and actually use and put into practice. Yep. So, yeah, yeah I'm good. That's can you great. See it? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so great. Oh, wait. oh my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, Diane, thank you. Right, you lot. Diane's book succeed without selling the more you think about selling the less you will sell is available from amazon is it available from other bookstores as well oh yeah wherever books are so yeah in the states barnes and noble is very Mm -hmm. famous over here waterstones and so on and so forth but i will put i will make sure that that link is there dan where else can my listeners find you online especially if they want to hear more about your coaching programs so, I mean, I'm all over online, you know, as probably places I shouldn't be, but um, <laughs> going to my website's really probably the best place, helbigenterprises.com, because they can find the podcast, you know, links to all my coaching programs, and they can sign up for a 30-minute complimentary phone consult. I'm happy cool. to talk to anybody, and if I can help you, you know, take action or resolve a situation in 30 minutes, great. There's no obligation attached to it. Just, you know, and if not, then you get a taste of what it would be like to work with me. Yeah, perfect. Um, And who wouldn't want to work with you and spend an hour in your company? (laughs) Thank you. We're so privileged. Same Um, to you. Thank you, Diane. And thank you all so much for joining Diane and I on this episode. Don't forget that Tainering Talk is now on Instagram at Tainering Talk Podcast. And you know I love feedback, so you can also email the show directly at tailoringtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. You can also click the share button in your player to send the show on to people you know, especially this episode, because there's just so much great stuff in there and actionable points that Diane gave. So uh, don't keep it to yourself. Um, if you're enjoying Tailoring Talk and feel compelled to throw some change our way and support the show, you can now buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Roberto Rivilla. Have a great week. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. That was fun.